Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Reconciled Life Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3? One, two, three. Yes, three. <laughs> <laughs> We're very professional. The uh, Today, we are going to be interviewing the Humphreys. I think it's Episode 4. <laughs> anyway, the Humphreys, more important. That's the important takeaway yes. of the moment. We met Holly and Drew Humphrey while we were attending a church in Waco. Uh, they were involved in ministry there, and they are just phenomenal people. You know those people you meet where you're like, they're the kindest. Well, that is the Humphreys. Uh, we recorded uh, like much of the season, this podcast, this particular episode a while back. So they talk about their... Uh, Holly's pregnancy. Uh, well, just know that they have a beautiful baby boy. And uh, what's exciting about this episode, they talk about their journey with the foster care system and how that has led them uh, and truly just changed their lives. And so there's a lot in this episode for us to think about and how we can all be involved uh, and truly just the need for foster parents and yeah. just importantly the need that kids have for other people to care and love for them uh when they're in need yeah and i think for all of us i know this was true for me even if i know i'm not going to be able to foster in six months time this is such a challenging conversation to raise awareness about it to encourage people who are going through the journey and they also spell out Areas where even if you're not the foster parent, ways you can help in a very practical way, which I think is super important. But even with all that said, I think I would encourage you um, and challenge you as we were challenged in this conversation to really give some prayerful consideration to foster care. Uh, and whatever that looks like for your family. Uh, and as they say that it's not going to be necessarily like a movie or easy. It's a calling. Uh, they offer so much information yeah. that we decided to divide this into two episodes. And so we hope that you'll join us next week for part two of the Humphreys. Uh, but for now, let's get to part one. So we know that you guys are foster parents and that has been something that Aaron and I have had a huge heart for. Can you tell us what led you to become foster parents? So I uh, actually graduated with my degree from Baylor in social work. And so in 2015, 2016, something like that, um, I was looking for a job in um, the social work field. And um, I was always interested in foster care, didn't know a ton about foster care, but ended up landing a job at a foster care agency. And so um, Drew and I had like kind of talked about before adopting but had never like super seriously talked about it but through obviously being inundated with facts and you know just things about foster care at work I started those conversations of like do you think we can ever like actually do this and I think by working there I kind of part of my job was to license people to be foster parents I think I realized like oh these are like normal people I think that <laughs> I always thought either these people who are foster parents are kind of weird or and they have to drive a 15 passenger van or um they are like therapists and are like you know they have this all this extra training 
And I met all these people who are foster parents and I was like, oh, they're kind of normal. Some of them are kind of (laughs) cool. Like, you know, (laughs) so it was, uh, I think that that kind of started the conversation of like, oh, we, we don't have to be super special people to do this. Like we really could do this. So that started a, I mean, like literally years worth conversation years, Mm. like multiple years worth conversation of what would this look like for us? Is this something we could do? I think Drew's concern in the beginning was, uh, could I ever like love a kid and then say bye to them, which we worked through. And obviously we've we've done that before and, um, we have worked through it, but, Mm. uh, I mean, that's a real concern for a lot of people. So Holly was going to nursing school. We didn't, you know, there are some things that were kind of slowing us down, Mm -hmm. but we're, that kind of helped us to really prepare ourselves. A lot of our friends, not, I should say a lot of our friends, a handful of our friends, maybe three or four of them started the process or were fostering. So we became babysitters to help them. And that was really helpful to kind of be on the front lines, you know, to go, okay, see how this works. You know, like I remember the first time I was babysitting one of my friend's foster children who was only day, I mean, probably three or four days old. And I remember telling Holly, like, what is this my friend's son? You know, does he call him daddy? You know, it was just like working through those kind of issues even before my kid was helpful, you know, because it just made me start to think about it. And then in like a more supernatural kind of special way, uh, something cool happened to me that I wasn't aware was happening when it did. But when I was a Baylor student, I went on a mission trip to Guatemala to visit an orphanage that actually our church helps to coordinate. And this was 10 years ago. So in 2011, I was 19. And I basically was asking God to reveal if I should go on the mission field or if I should stay in local church ministry as I was pursuing to you know kind of become a pastor And the short version of the story is that this 16-year-old Guatemalan girl named Chiki, she just looked at me in the eyes on the last day. I had not made any connections with her or anything. And she looked me in the eyes on that last day and she said, God told me to tell you that you're going to help people like me with your life. And so I instantly took that to mean, oh, I'm supposed to be a missionary. You know, like that's what I've been praying for. And then I didn't become a missionary. You know, 10 years later, here I am, you know, doing local church ministry in Texas Um, But when Holly and I were really praying through, should we do this? I had totally forgot about that conversation. And God, eight years later, probably around 2019, 2018, somewhere in there, God reminded me of that encounter. And it was like this sort of supernatural, you know, signing of the seal of like, you know, this was a God thing from the start. And um, so from that point on, it was like, we're doing this. And, you know, it's, it's really pushed us through some tough days too, to just know that that was like from God, even before I, I mean, that was five years before Holly and I got married you know, anything like that. So that, that was really important going into it for us. I love that. Cause like, even with our adoption story, there were so many moments of that God clearly just, and I feel like the friends we have who have adopted or foster parented too, it's like the Lord really meets you on that journey. It is a journey. It It is is a journey. journey. Yeah. And to just give you that peace and, and like you said, you cling to it on the hard days to be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a, that's a tangible thing for me to hold on to. That's awesome. I think that's a that's a good point because it's not just a journey to like getting there. It's not just a journey to getting licensed as a foster parent. It's not just a journey to adoption day. It's a journey yeah. of like you know we are continued on that journey. That journey yeah. includes when you know we have three year old tantrums in our house mm. and you know yeah. it's yeah. the day and you're reminding you're being reminded this is why the Lord has called me to this. Yeah, so I I like that. It's not just a journey that. And when you get licensed to be a foster parent. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, no finite bookends. Yeah. And I think a lot of people also forget that like parenting, it's it's like we have other words like foster parenting or adoption, but it's still parenting, which is a lifelong commitment to a yeah. child. 
and people like to are bookended into like the process of you getting that child or the official day where you sign the papers in the court. It's like, yeah, but like the minute I was holding this child, like I was committed. Those are legalities so that we can take him to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Your heart doesn't know the difference. I mean, your your dad, your mom from day one. It's always been a little bit hard for me. And I know people say it from a good place, but is um, y'all are getting such good practice to be parents. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I don't, maybe they see their biological parents like one hour a week so the other hours I'm their parents <laughs> I am sure. them. Yeah. So I wouldn't quite say it's practice. like it feels pretty much like the real thing <laughs> and I think that people mean that well but it's you're yeah. so right Erin that it's you're like it's the real deal like it's the real deal even before it's the real official legal deal or mm-hmm. whatever Holly, I know you said that you were working, you know, you spent some time working with a foster uh, care agency, uh, licensed parents through working there and also through your own, y'all's personal journey of being foster parents. What have you learned about the foster care system since your involvement? One of the things that I learned first was, or not first, probably most is like how holistic of a ministry it is to like the whole family, to the whole coordination of, I mean, in the foster system, you've got a kid or a, or a group of kids that are removed from a family that are, I mean, they're in your care, but they're really in the state's care, you know, and you just happen to like be sort of representative of the state. So even in the midst of that, it's like, we're not only ministering to a child, we're ministering to their family. And we're also ministering to CPS workers. And we're also ministering to, you know, I mean, there's just like all these layers of people that I just was not really prepared for. <laughs> like, um, going into it, I always knew there'd be a kid in my home who needed to know the faith, hope, and love of, of God and, and the stability that, that those kind of things can bring to their life. But I mean, this, you know, like for us, like become, we try to um, make efforts as much as we can to, to minister to the families. You know, we make as much efforts as we can to, when it's safe, to be friends with the families and yeah. to show them that we're not competing for their children, but we have their best interests in heart or at heart. You know, the same with CPS, like our CPS worker that we've now had for like a year and a half with one of our cases, I mean, every time I see her now, she's like, you need to be praying for me. I mean, the other day I prayed for her in the middle of Austin Avenue, like quite literally <laughs> unloading a child and there's cars all around us. And she's just like, I need you to pray for me right now, you know, kind of a thing. And wow. so just the holistic aspect, obviously the kid gets the biggest piece of that pie, wow. but it's just a big, it's just a big area of need. Everybody, CPS is overloaded. You know, your the parents are, you know, they're just had their kids removed. And so much of that is like cyclical or generational, yeah. you know, for the parents. So, yeah. It's just a big mess and you're just getting in the middle of it and it's like, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? You know? yeah. And uh, there's just a lot, you know, so I, I wasn't expecting that, but honestly, I've loved that part of it. I mean, I think that's been a really fulfilling aspect of, of fostering. Sure. We, we talk about sometimes, like, I think that's a area in which a lot of people who choose to be foster parents miss is they so scared of these biological parents or so scared of sometimes there's reasons to be scared of them are so nervous about making these connections with them that I think that they miss out on you know if that child goes home and you haven't made any effort to make any connection to the biological family then you're probably not going to have any connection to that child Mm -hmm. anymore and are in a specific case with one of our kiddos who went home and actually came back because we maintain that relationship with that family, um, I think it's probably one of the big reasons that she's in our home now. Mm-hmm. And that's not to pat ourselves on the back, but that's to say like, it's important. It's really important yeah. and it's hard work. It's that relationship with them has probably made her return messier, honestly, mm-hmm. just be, just emotionally for us, but um, it's made it 
worth it, I think, for her to be back here. I would say one of the other things that I've learned just about the foster care system is we talk a lot about attachment with like foster parenting. And I think that I've, I mean, I used to teach, I literally used to teach people classes on like attachment and things like that. What I worked for the foster agency, but it's just funny because now I'm like, oh, I'm living it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a little different. He looked at me so many times and he's like, if I could only tell 2017 Holly this. Annoy her now are the very things. Annoy her the very things. But it is funny, just like I think, just the importance of attachment, obviously, but also um, sometimes the hard, hard work that that is with kiddos. And I think what do you that. Mean by that? I think, I mean, we, with one of our kiddos, she came to us when she was two and only had a mom in her life, didn't have a dad in her life. So she really quickly attached to Drew and like loves Drew. And I think a lot of her frustration with her mom and with leaving her mom was taken out on me. And so we've had to do some really hard work for her to form a secure attachment to me and for me to not just be kind of like the one that she takes out all of her frustration. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes that still is, you know, if Drew does something wrong, somehow it's my fault. But, but it has been, I think I underestimated, like, just how important that is. And sometimes how difficult that is with kiddos, even at a young age. Like, you would think two-year-olds, like, you know, that should be easy. But it's, it it actually takes, like, really purposeful work on my, and her, and and interesting even harder because the communication of a two-year-old you're not able to sit down and have a conversation about tell me I'm mad at you because I have a mommy Mm -hmm. or I'm mad at my mommy but she's not here so I'm going to be mad at you Mm -hmm. but that's what her actions are showing me you know yeah yeah I think think even like the um the things that are basically when I think about attachment I also think about ways where it's like behind the scenes the ways that attachment helps a child, even if they aren't with you long-term, you know, even if a child's only with you for a year, those psychological like connectors that are happening when they can like trust you and and feel safe at when they're developing psychologically at those young ages. I mean, it is like, I mean, there's so many studies out there about, you know, the differences between orphanages and kids who are in like family units, you know, because like, even if they're there temporarily, those early days are so critical to be able to just build trust and build safety and build attachment, even if they end up not staying with you forever. And then they have to like go through some sort of sort of traumatic reprogramming of attachment. At least they had attachment in the midst of that. It's really, we've seen that happen a lot with a lot of different, not necessarily our kids, some of what in our kids, but even just learning from other people or reading different books, you know, and that's an important thing for kids. You don't really think about it. You think, oh, they're just like, you know, learning blocks and numbers and letters and names and words and it's but there's actually a lot of attachment stuff going on behind the scenes that are that's really important i think that fostering and adoption can really help with in those early days even when you can't define it because they're so young that i mean that's not something i had really thought through either of just even a temporary safe person the difference that makes because i feel like we always hear it'll be so hard on our attachment you don't think about but this kid needs an attachment figure to be able to develop future healthy relationships. It's like, I'm afraid of my heart being broken, you know, but I promise you that kid's more scared than I am. (laughs) You know, even if they can't define it, they're like, I'm 30. I can, I can grieve, you know, I can go to counseling. I'm a believer. I have faith in something beyond the temporary, but like a three-year-old or a three-month-old, like they don't have that kind of programming or, you know, emotional capacity. And so it's like their sense of trauma is way higher than mine as it relates to like attachment or heartbrokenness. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just aspects of it where for me, I was like, yeah, all those things are real. Like I am scared to bring a kid here and maybe see that kid leave. 
but I promise you that kid's more scared than I am. That kid's needs are greater than mine are and yeah. God will get me through it, you know, and I just got to like step in the gap for this kid and that's what we've got to do. So that's been a big thing we've learned along the way because we have had kids go home, some of which never came back. <clears throat> Other kids went home and then came to our house again later. Some kids we thought were going to go home and then at the last minute, literally days before they were going to leave, their parent dropped off the face of the earth and now they're still here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every, you know, and so you just, you don't know, you're just like, this is the gap. This is my assignment. This mm -hmm. is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to make the most of this for however long I'm asked to do yeah. it by the state and obviously really by God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah step in that place you know be faithful in those day-to-day -day. that's right i think that's a great way that you frame it in that saying i i think and i think I, i'm even guilty of thinking about this when we consider like will we foster you know we've adopted but will we foster and so much so often we center ourselves yeah in the in the equation and not the child or the children to say well, I may lose this, but what would they lose? Or what, even better, what would they gain by being here? What could I provide that this doesn't have to be about me and what I'll lose, but an act of obedience in loving and serving the most vulnerable among us? And that's been, a, you know, when, when we've had kids leave our home, a lot of times they go to like relatives, you know, or they go to, they may go back to mom and dad. And, and one of the things that's motivated us is I've said, okay, you know, if this aunt of this kid is willing to take this child in, I'm gonna be heartbroken. There's gonna be a void, but also I have a burden to foster. So that's gonna open up a spot for another kid to come into our home that that yeah. aunt would not have taken. You know, it, so we've now raised the bar like one mm -hmm. up to be able to like yeah. one more kid. One more, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so that's been something that's like you said, flip that perspective, being able to go and, and think more about the kids needs, you know, and so yeah, that's been big. I also wanted to go back to when you were talking about the bio family or the biological families and like reaching out to them. Cause that I feel like is the number one thing we get asked about. Cause the agency we worked with for adoption for the families wanting to adopt, you could only go through this agency if you were willing to do an open adoption. Going back to how you talked about not being in a competition with the bio families or when you when you see the, the birth parents. And did it ever feel like a competition for you? Like, did you have to work through that? Or once you bring these kids into your home and you meet the families, did it just kind of click and fall into place? I'd say like the, for me, it's, it's probably easier to tag team it early on than it is later in a way sometimes you know it's like out of the mm -hmm. gate I'm so it's so fresh like I hardly even have a bond to this kid you know like I hardly even know that I'm just like you know I need to meet mom and dad oh your mom like you know your dad whatever they're trying to have that best expectations for these people because yeah. there isn't really a precedent set yet yeah there haven't yeah. been missed you know there haven't been missed tests or drugs or whatever you know, there's mm -hmm. not been like missing of the mark really yet outside of the initial yeah. removal. so I think for us you know that that priority hasn't shifted um at all the hard part about fostering compared to adoption is, is adoption has like this sort of final like the decision's been made yeah. there's yeah. like sure. there's like things where you're just like you know we don't really know if it'll ever be safe for you to go home but we sort mm -hmm. of have to like act like it might be and get you to all these visits yeah. and support you but also we're doing protective parenting. We're eyes and ears for the state too, to be like, hey, this is happening and you need to know that this, you know, and so it's this weird game that you're, you're kind of like bouncing between and you're really just trying to fight your own heart to not become yeah. this like, you know, kid yeah. or something like yeah. that, you know. And the weirdness of like in a private adoption type of situation, 
hopefully this parent has made the decision on their own for their child to be adopted. Mm, that's a great point. Situation, it's like someone took your the kid. The state has made the decision yeah. for you. Yeah. So I think there are times when, depending on the depending on the situation, it's been hard for me to be like, you know, I am parenting, like we talked about earlier, parenting yeah. day in and day out your child and you're off doing drugs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I also get your child back after they've had a visit with you and they are melting really, down, melting traumatized, down yeah. traumatized, really upset and yeah. have to pick up the pieces. It, 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 that's where my like selfish side comes in or my, mm -hmm. you know, my flesh. And I'm like, I want to slap you. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention whatever they've done that, you know, we have a situation with one of our kiddos right now where where there have been some like physical injuries and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, again, where that protective parenting comes in where it's like, ah. I don't even know if they're like safe with you, you that's know? Hard. And that's really hard. Yeah. And, I mean, no one's no one's too far gone, but you know, it's just it's so yeah, hard. It's but at a, the same time, yeah. I mean, one of the benefits of foster parenting is you really have very few rights. I mean, they pretty much just tell you what to do and when to do it, as far as like the state goes and the attorneys and the CPS and everything, and so the judges, obviously. And so that does help because I mean, obviously, we can say our input, but ultimately, like we're just a stopgap. We're just like there to support and to love, and sometimes that means you get kind of run over a little bit as it relates to some of these conversations or forgotten or overlooked, but it probably protects the foster parent in, in the way to where they can just really meet the needs of the kid and let the state and the attorneys and the judges do their job of figuring out where does this kid need to land? You know, and at the end of the day, it's like our job to love this kid, to support whatever is best for them, whether that's going home or not. And we've been in both those places before where like we are working our butts off to get this kid home, crying ourselves to sleep every night because we don't want them to go home, but we know it's the right thing, yeah. you know? But, and then we've been in other scenarios where it's like, this is not okay. Everybody agrees they don't need to be going home. So now we're having to like navigate that. And what does that look like, you know? And so you just have to like play every, and that's with the same cases at different times, you know? I mean, it's not even like case by case. You're just really like, just like any parenting, you know, taking these things as they go. Yeah. But only like, I think if your starting point is, in the if you're in fostering and your starting point is adoption you've you've missed a whole lot of ministry because mm. yeah, I, yeah. the point of fostering is reunification if the whole thing breaks down and that's not okay that's not safe then we're moving into these other conversations that are more complex mm -hmm. but out of the gate it should always be hey you're mom and i'm not mom or i'm not dad you know i'm here to support you to help you and to let let's try to get this kid back into your arms because as painful as that'll be for us we know that's that can be a good thing for the kid if we do this the right way. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people who were involved in foster care who kind of started that adoption place who said like we could never recover after a child went home or we could never, we were so damaged by the system or something like that, which I'm not saying that there are not situations where those things happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it also, it's kind of a mindset of were you damaged by the system because the child went home? Because that's mm -hmm. the goal is for the kid to go home. <laughs> and then, you know, we have two kiddos right now who were on track with for adoption. And so obviously that, that goal didn't plan out, but there was a time when we thought they were going to go home and that's kind of the goal of the system. And mm. so I think keeping that in mind, especially with foster care is important. It's, that doesn't mean it's any less painful, yeah. any less painful. But, but especially important. with the faith aspect, I mean, God just, there's healing, you know, that goes out throughout, you know, there's hurting, there's healing, there's, you know, the cycle of all that that's happening so I just think 
you don't want to sell God short on his ability to, to like fill that gap and to heal you and to make you, you know, ready for the next thing, you know, whatever that is, you know, God, God will get you there for sure. And it's just, you got to just trust him, whatever that next calling is. This being the reconciled life, I think it's a ministry of reconciliation, which what a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I've heard that so often said for adoption, but I think it's equally as valid for foster care and foster parenting and that the idea is that we're seeing that rift healed, that we're seeing these two find their way back to each other and for that healing to happen. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing that I love what you were saying, Holly, that if you, or through whichever you said it, that if you're starting at adoption, you're missing the point of it and what you're, what you're there to help foster. And you brought up recent, like just a second ago, like how ministry and the faith, how has fostering affected your faith? or you in general, how has it changed you over these past couple of years? I think I would just say trusting that the Lord has, you know, bigger plans for these kiddos than we could ever know. I think that it's really, I mean, I think about when one of our little ones went back last, actually a year ago yesterday, she went back and we were devastated. We knew that that was what we were working towards, but we're also just, we didn't really know if that was the best thing but we were kind of told that was the best thing and so that's what we were doing and um we're i mean she was our baby we had her since she was two days old and it was like but she went home and then six days later our other two who were still with us and we were on our on the road to adoption with um came to us and it was hard i mean it was like we were missing our other little one and um these two were hard <laughs> and yeah. it, was, it was really difficult but now we look back and actually our kiddo who left a year ago is now back with us um, mm. just because of some circumstances that have brought her back into the system and we sometimes we question like you know why did that have to happen that she had to go home mm. for nine months and then honestly not be well taken care of and then come back and then we think about you know lord like we probably would never have said yes to these girls if um, she wouldn't have gone home. Mm-hmm. And then, and that doesn't mean that I'm glad that any of the things that you know happened to her happened to her, but she's back with us now. And now we have all three of them. And just the way that like the Lord kind of orchestrated all that to where it's like, mm-hmm. we would have never known. The day when we found out that she was gonna end up going home, the court date that was like, you know, really hard that she was gonna go home earlier was actually the same day that one of our, that our younger one was born. And we had no idea um, at that time. Her birthday is the wow. day, the court date that kind of changed everything and, and sent her home. So it's really wow. wild. Um, but just the yeah. things that like, you know, just trusting that the Lord, it's so hard in those moments, but that he really does wow. like know what he's doing. Yeah. It's crazy. He does. Um, <laughs> but he does know what he's doing. And that. He keeps telling us that. Are we just keep like, are you sure? Are you sure? truly that like bird's eye view that like you know we don't have um that i like to insist to drew that i i you know do have Mm. (laughs) Um, but it just just truly like amazing um the things that you know we really you really have to come to a point of surrender and like lord i don't i don't know what's happening right now but i'm trusting you Mm -hmm. that these kiddos lives are hands because when they leave my house, there's only so much I can do to protect them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the deepening of faith. Yeah. 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 
I've just learned like that God will just, when God calls you to do something like, you know, it is just awesome to watch him carry you through like the lowest of lows, the highest of highs. And in the middle of like our hardest, one of our hardest seasons of the lowest low moments, like God, I was already in the book of Acts. I was actually preaching on it for this thing I was doing. And he led me to Acts chapter 20. It's this incredible story where Paul, it's just a little verse where it says, Paul was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. He had been like far off on this missionary journey. The next like three chapters are all of his friends telling him, don't go back to Jerusalem. Like bad things are going to happen there. This is going to be a, you know, persecution, trauma, everything. But he's just like, I'm compelled. I have to go. I have to do this thing. You know, this is what God's called me to do. And he's, all of his friends are right. I mean, when he gets huge mess, you know, it's horrible. It's terrible. Persecution happens. But he was just like so driven because he was compelled. Mm. And like, I feel that burden with fostering, you know, that it's just like the, the stuff that's tough, the stuff that's unknown, you know, bringing this little one back into our family, like to basically potentially get hurt all over again. Do, you know, a lot of people or, thought we were crazy. You know, it's like three months away from having a baby. Yeah, we now have, have another baby. three children under three. I mean, it's all these things. It's like, I'm sure there are people behind our backs. Are like, y'all shouldn't have done that. Or y'all shouldn't yeah. have done this or whatever. It's like, that's not right for your kids. That's not right for your marriage. And they could be right. I'm not, I mean, Paul's friends were all right, you know, but like when you have this compelling from God, it's just like, you got to do it, you know, and God carries you through those things and he leads you through the tough stuff. And, um, and so that's like been something that just, I haven't experienced that a lot in my life. You know, I've had a pretty good life growing up and, you know, have been able to, you know, be blessed with not like a ton of tragedy or trauma in my life. And not that I'm welcoming that into my family or anything, but sometimes when you get out into the tough stuff and the hard places and God compels you to do things like you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it and go, all right, this is like a real opportunity to trust God. And to say, you're asking me to do this, I'm going to do it. Even though there's a lot of question marks on the end. Um, and basically guaranteed heartbreak, one way or the other. You know, and it's just, but it's been cool to watch and just wonderful to watch God heal us and, and help us throughout yeah. the whole thing. So. Even kind of what I was telling y'all earlier, I think before we started recording, but how um, when we brought, uh, we had the two girls at this month, at this time, I'm like six, seven months pregnant. And then yeah. we get this call about, our little one she needs to come back to us mm. and we love her but I mean that was that was a decision where we knew we needed to do that but it was like this is gonna be freaking hard mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at that time we had an almost two-year-old almost three-year-old sorry sorry almost three-year-olds uh, that would be even worse almost three-year-old <laughs> um almost one-year-old one-year-old and then she was like 16 months mm-hmm. so and you're pregnant and she's pregnant. Yeah, I'm pregnant. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, but it just as I was telling y'all earlier, I mean, even the things where, where it's like, we're seeing the Lord just practically day by day give us grace. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had asked me wow. 10 weeks ago, I would have been like, I need someone here with me at all times. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you have a nanny? <laughs> Probably in a few weeks, especially when I have a newborn. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was like, you know, I have, how am I going to do this? Like even logistically. And like I said, there's still days where I'm like, mm, logistically, how does this work? But <laughs> don't wake up every day terrified yeah. for the day. <laughs> yeah. The things that were once impossible to do are now mm-hmm. just normal. You know, and that's just yeah. what God does in certain things in life. You Something know, when, is impossible with God. Yeah. That's right. Yes. And it's just, you know, the capacity, the water line is raised, you know, when he calls you to do those things. And yeah. we've seen God do that, yeah. whether it was going from one kid to no kid, to one kid again, to then no kid, to two kids, to three kids, to pregnancy. It's like, yeah. we just watched this foster thing. The capacity yeah. question has always changed, but God's always been capable of, mm-hmm. you know, getting us there, you know, no matter what. And not else. to say that every, every child is going to be a yes, because I think we're going to have a hard stop at some point soon. Um, I think that's <laughs> a, 
<laughs> we, we feel that compelling from the Lord about specific children. And this child that came back to us was, you know, she was our baby and she still is. And yeah. so, um, and we have seen so many fruits from saying yes to those hard things in a very hard season. And we both looked at each other recently and been like, she's meant to be here. Like mm. this is, that was, I can't imagine. Mm. If said yes. And the same with the other two. I mean, when the other two came to our house last summer, I mean, we were in deep pain. I mean, we were not ready to, to be bringing kids back into our house. We were five yeah. days away from her being gone. But like, that was the best decision we ever made because these little girls are going to grow up with us forever and be a part of our family soon. So it's like, you just, you know, you make, it's like we talked about earlier, like when they, when a kid's brought to our house, like we're making a commitment to their life you know, how, however temporary that is, long term that is. Yeah. Family does not yeah. require roofs. You know, we're in the family, but we're not on the same roof, you know, whether they live here or not. And like whatever they needed, they, they got it from us. And that'll be true for the rest of their lives. And um, we've had to say no to a lot of kids. You know, if you, if you prove to CPS and CASA that you are a capable family, they'll call you all the time about placements. You know? And they do. <laughs> you know? But we've had to say no to a lot of kids. But it's like, you know, but these kids we've already made commitments to. The decisions were made years ago with these ones. You know, it's like whatever yeah. they need, when they need it, like it's a yes from us. And, yeah. and then what God asks us to do next, we'll do it. But I do think Holly's right. We're probably going to have to move into a different season ahead with how do we foster and how do we minister and those kind of things considered yeah. four kids. Yeah. Three under, so. If we take another kid, they're going to need to be like older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They can clothe themselves, feed themselves, get their own cereal. <laughs> I love though what you said and just that reminder of, because I think I sometimes fall into the trap of like, I know God will work it out maybe in the long term, you know it with your head, but like the day to day is not going to work. Like it's logistically <laughs> impossible. You know, that, that mindset of, well, God's a big God, but you forget he also is a God of details. And so raising that capacity, like you talked about, or not even being able to fully explain how you could be by yourself with three kids under three, but it works, you know, like just that, that reminder of God's also gonna equip you day to day. Just cause we, you already sort of expressed some of the hardship that came with, you know, your process. What would you say is the highest high you've had on the fostering journey? Cause I think so often people always focus on the negative and like, you know, every story is like the new scandal and like all the negative gets all the attention. And you're like, well, there are also beautiful things happening yeah. that don't get the same attention. So what is, what would you say are some of the highlights or the, the highest mountain peak you had in your foster care journey? You know, it's interesting. I think so, there's almost a nature with everything so far in fostering, which we've been foster parents for about two years now between like training and doing it and everything. Mm -hmm. Where it's like almost everything is a dichotomy of like, loss and celebration you know like when yeah. our little one went home last summer i was like so proud to be like you know we mission accomplished you know and i was equally just my heart was ripped out when yeah. she came back home to us a couple months ago i was so thankful and i was also so frustrated you know yeah. um, when we are about to adopt these two little ones who i love with my whole heart like i'm so thankful that i get to be their official dad forever but I'm also so sad about what was lost and the time that was wasted and the things that, you know, so it's yeah. almost an impossible question to answer, you know, because it's just, everything has this tension of like fullness of joy and fullness of loss and pain because it's so broken. Um, but it is full. Like, I don't, I don't feel like cheated. You know, I, I don't think that there's like, yeah. a lesson. I don't, I don't, I don't mean like lessen the happiness. It's just a reality mm -hmm. of the weightiness of what you're talking about stuff that is so broken 
you know, yeah. that is just you know, even the celebrations. I think the things that I'm most proud of and happy about are just the ways that we've been able to help other people consider to become foster parents. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I mean, I only said that because other people helped us, you know, it's not like we all of a sudden are some like special people who do this. You know, it's just, that's a part of the journey that's like convincing others that you can do it based upon what God has helped you in. Based upon the things that you've done, like I'm really proud of that. And um, that's probably the happiest without the loss and joy, like, you know, or the loss and pain kind of a thing. It's just like, man, that's just another kid or another family unit that can be ministered to, you know, if we can, you know, help somebody to give it a shot with God, you know, in this fostering thing. I think, I mean, kind of like Drew's saying, the happiness that comes from the brokenness of like, I think I would say probably some of our highest points have been, I alluded to, or I talked about this earlier, but um, specifically with our three-year-olds, kind of the hard things of attachment that we dealt with yeah. in the beginning and kind of continue to deal with. I think seeing strides made in mm. those situations have been really sweet mm. for me. Um, attachment with Drew and her came pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. She lives. <laughs> but I think we've seen some sweet, sweet moments of uh, loving me. And mm. it's, it's so weird yeah. that probably every parent that feels this way. But like, she can be so mad at me and you know maybe not kind to me and I love her so much it's like I like it makes me want to love her more and want her to love her more and so I I think to see her specifically with all of our kids with attachment but she's kind of been the hardest one because she's the oldest one mm-hmm. just with that attachment and making strides in those places has been so sweet but again that comes from a lack of attachment that yeah. was there and brokenness that was there um, on her side so I think just seeing that healing yeah. uh, that we know is I mean just like anything with kiddos or with kiddos who come from hard places is like something that mm-hmm. is going to be a lifelong thing of you know continuing to work towards but I think that we've yeah. I think Drew and I could both agree we've come a long way with well, that. <laughs> speaking to that I think just from our experience you you know Holly's talking about attachment I think that's true of like physical issues emotional issues um, even just like kids being at peace like I think one of the things that's brought me the most happiness is watching kids develop you know at a rapid pace when they have a safe environment even uh, yeah. temporary, you know I mean yeah. even our, our first placement was 12 days and that little one was removed because she had been in a like a basically a domestic abuse situation like where mm-hmm. parents were fighting and when she first came to our she would her eyes like I looked at the photos you know just like there was so she much was six kind of, weeks old six weeks old you know mm-hmm. and like fear in her eyes and then by like even day 11 and 12 with us, like how just like much calmer she was or, you know, kids who like should be walking or talking and aren't, you know, and then you see those strides. Like that is, that's real life difference that you're making in someone's life. Even if it's temporary, that's just a big deal that we don't realize, you know, that kids desperately need. And if they miss that, yeah. it's a pretty serious window and you can fall behind so fast. So that brings a lot of joy and happiness, I think, to foster families is when you can see that kind of, whether it's attachment or walking or talking or peace or, you know, whatever. It's just like, that's yeah. special for sure. Yeah. I know you loved this conversation that we just finished as we did. And so there's a lot of great things in store for us next week as well. Uh, but for now, please remember that today is a great day to be a little better and do a little more. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.